Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Hello and welcome to Midweek in the Word. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm Brad Myers, your host on the podcast and Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries pastor. And this week I'm joined again by our regular Pastor Tom, our preaching pastor here at the church. Um, Tom, I know you got a busy week, so thank you for joining us and taking the time to, to jump in on the podcast again. Uh, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. I hope I don't shift over to my wedding message in the middle of this. <laughs> there you go. The, the okay. challenges of studying multiple passages every week. Week, getting ready to preach and, and yeah. lead, I'm sure, uh, with all those on your mind. Well, hopefully, we'll mm. be able to keep things straight. And so we're, <laughs> we're going to do a refresher here. We're going to go back to last week's message just to add one more wrinkle for you. And we want to talk about Esther from your Route 66 series, Snapshots from Genesis to Revelation, how every sign points to Christ. And this last week, you were, you were touching on a familiar character in the biblical story, the person of Esther, primarily from the first, second, and eighth chapters of the book that bears her name. What did we learn about God on Sunday, Tom? I think the thing about that book that is most stunning is that God is never mentioned, mm. and prayer's never mentioned, and God's Word's not mentioned, but we, yeah. we learn about the providence of God, that his, his thumbprint is on every page and in every action, that there was no coincidence, but mm. that His hiddenness is seen all over that book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Secondarily, uh, what did it reveal about mankind, about ourselves? Well, it was interesting that, uh, that believing the promises of God, they continued to plan their own way, mm-hmm. and God would step in and direct their step. But somehow man just arrogantly thinks he can still work things out himself, mm-hmm. and God has to once in a while step in and remind him he can't. Yeah, it takes us back to that idea of God's hidden hand in history yeah. that we've touched on in previous podcasts. Um, but finally, how, how did the story of Esther point us to the personal work of Christ? Well, you know, as, as you know, that, that, that's the challenging part about reading these, especially that one, mm-hmm. uh, for a while. Then, then all at once, it just seemed like almost on every page, another picture of Christ came. But I, I would mm-hmm. boil it down to, I, I think in Esther, we see... Uh, one life that is given for the rescue of the many. I think mm-hmm. that she was willing to die so that the Jews could live. If that's what it cost, that's what she would do. And obviously, that's what Christ has done for us, gave his life so that the many could live. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank goodness for that. Uh, well, thank you, Tom, for another message on Esther, for being willing to take and uh, t- take on 10 chapters <laughs> in that whole book. I know yeah. it was a daunting task, but I appreciated the message on Sunday. Now, this week, I'd like to turn our attention back to the last step in our interpretive process. Again, we've referenced coma on the podcast previously, talking about the four steps or, or a, a approach to Scripture similar to others, but the one you like yeah. and you use of coma. So that's context, what's going on in the background. We've spent a lot of time talking about context on the podcast observation, what do we look and see in the passage, then moving on to meaning, not jumping there too quickly, but dealing with the meaning, what is it saying? Um, and, and, and we come to the step then at the end, application, um, that is both probably the easiest to understand and probably the most difficult to mm-hmm. actually accomplish in our lives. Um, in episode 27, we talked about these different types of applications, specifically looked at 2 Timothy 4... Or, uh, 
2 Timothy, I think it's 2, 14 through 17. I, I didn't have it in my notes. Um, and highlighted how there are, are things from Scripture that we need to know and understand, things that we need to believe or embrace, things that we need to desire. And we talked about that from the life of Josiah. And lastly, things that we need to do. Um, in that episode, we talked about the details of desire. Um, so check that out, listeners, on episode number 27 on the podcast if you're interested in that information. However, this week, I'd like to talk about the fourth type. I want to talk about the do applications from the life of Esther specifically. Uh, now, Tom, likely our listeners are familiar with this do <laughs> application. This is probably the most common. We talked about that last time. Uh, but I'd still like to make sure we're all getting off on the same foot here. What do we mean by a do application from Scripture? You should never end your study of the word without answering the question, so what? Hmm. And so the to do, in other words, Scripture is not simply to give us more information. Mm -hmm. And regrettably, uh, lots of Christians, as long as they have a lot of notes in the margin of their Bible, have concluded that they now know the word, mm. but it was given to us. I, I like what he said in Romans 15, 4. They were written for our instruction that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Yeah. So it's really, how do I put shoe leather on the truth that I have now discovered? Mm. And uh, it, it ought to either, it's either going to change my understanding of something or my attitude towards something or move me to action in a different way. And so I'm asking the Lord, so what? What, what, do you want, what do you want me to be as a result of what you've taught me? Yeah, and that third one, that what am I supposed to do, is really what we want to focus in on this week. Um, but we've also made it pretty clear in the past, Tom, that especially with narrative like the book of Esther, uh, we can't simply assume that we're called to do whatever we see the biblical characters doing. That would be an oversimplification <laughs> of the situation. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, this is, this is particularly apparent from the life of Esther. So can you walk us through your coma process from the life specifically of Esther and help us understand how we would come to an appropriate due application from that story? Well, I think in, in the Esther one, again, I, I don't think you can come to the do if you haven't done the discipline of the previous. Mm -hmm. And so first of all is the context. And even even locating it in the history of Israel was significant yeah. to realize that it it is in that 60-year gap between Ezra 6 and Ezra 7 and that there was this threat to the to the longevity of the nation of Israel, the desire to annihilate. So, so you have to immediately understand what is going on in in the historical context, and, and then I, I think asking what what for what reason did God put that there? Why why did He say it there in that way at that time? So when you start there. Then you begin to realize, because we've said, as we talked about last week, you know, it really does matter who you marry. Yeah. And then all yeah. at once, we, we come to a Hebrew refugee girl marrying a, a pagan king, and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, we just violated the principle. So what's going on there? Well, God is working to preserve his people. So from that, I think we, we begin to ask the question, so are there principles here that, that are true no matter when you live? But the principle is measured against the context in which it appears. So I think that's where I start. Mm -hmm. And and then you, you move along. You learn also from what is not there. All of a sudden, they're making plans and strategies, but they're not asking the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so, so you learn from what they do and what they don't do. 
and ask what 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 is the what is the secret here to finding endurance and encouragement in this text? Hmm. So then, with that being the principle of, of almost the negative example of Esther and Mordecai, um, kind of forgetting God in the in the moment in which they lived. What, what then is the right way to move that to a due application? What should we do in light of that principle? Yeah, I, I think in both their situations, it was the courage, uh, even though they didn't verbalize a trust in God, as it were, I, I, like I said last Sunday, I, as I'm studying Mordecai, I, I'm, I'm not liking him very much at the beginning. Mm. But as the story unfolds, you realize there is a deeper sense of commitment mm. And so when, when he says to Esther, you know, perhaps you were appointed for a time like this, but you need to understand, if you don't, God will still deliver. Mm-hmm. So they both took courageous steps, trusting that God would step in and intervene. So the to-do would be, I don't, you know, I don't know what courageous step God's asking us to take, but the application, I think, would be clearly that if, if God has led you to this moment— and you have a decision to make, self-preservation is not your first response. What, mm. what is pleasing to the Lord? What would he do? Mm. So I, I think it's a testimony of courage and an encouragement to us to do the same. Mm. I think that's a really good way to put it, because what you're speaking to on the principle level is really that meaning step. Yep. And then we can talk about there's one meaning from any given text, but there are multiple applications. So we can open that up then. If the meaning is, you know, God is providentially involved in your life, that you should take a step of faith, a courage, and you're protecting your life is not the, the chief yep. orientation, that's a... that that goes over all cultures. Yep. You know, for the yep. unbeliever in a persecuted yep. part of the world, that may literally mean, yep. you know sharing the gospel with someone in the threat of their life or their livelihood. For us, that may mean, and where it's not quite as, as threatening, it may mean stepping out and sharing your faith when your boss isn't going to like it. Yeah. Or it may mean sharing with your family when you don't know how they're going to respond. And so those applications can be varied as long as we get that meaning principle step yeah, I, I, correct. I think that's that's the strength of it. Uh, you know, so many people will say, you know, could, could, could you just tell me what I'm supposed to do right. and don't take me through the whole process? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, you you know, we have, first of all, we have to hear the word as it is written. We have to ask, how did the first hearer understand it? What was, and then, you know, again, we've talked before, let it lead you to the cross. How does it point us to Christ? And mm-hmm. then ask what. So those first three steps are the same no matter where you are. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, since, since COVID hit here in Nigeria alone, you know, 1,200 of our brothers and sisters have lost their lives yeah. for their testimony for Christ. So the application for them is a whole lot more challenging. The interpretation and meaning is the same. The application varies based on your situation, where you are with what God's doing in your life now. So application, yes, like you said, it it gives you multiple choices. Uh, You can be consistent with the text and apply it in a number of ways if you've done the roadmap to arrive there. Mm. Very good. Well, let's try to flip the script here a little bit then, Tom. Let's, let's, let's go to the opposite side. How do we avoid some pitfalls there? Um, could you give us a couple examples of maybe what would be inappropriate due applications from the life of Esther and why that's the case? Well, I, I think 
the first one would be obviously we'd say that it matters who you marry, but there would be people who say, well, look at she she married a pagan king and it worked out just fine for mm. her. Uh, and so, therefore, I'm going to go ahead and do whatever I want to do, and God will step in and intervene. Well, that is not exactly the story, yeah. as it were. The second one is uh, Mordecai. Just he refused to bow, even though the command of the king, you know, wants you to bow uh, to Haman, and he wouldn't. And finally, the people that worked with him said, "Why are you resisting the king?" He says, "Well, I'm a Jew, you know, but mm. the Jew doesn't take the knee to anybody but God." So along the way, you have to wait and say, "Well, you know." Uh, Mordecai didn't didn't obey the king, and he got away with it, so it's fine. So, well, mm. wait a minute. Step back and look at it in the context. What is God doing there? Mm. So that, that would be the abuses of it, mm. is to use, uh, use the biblical characters as an excuse to do what my stubborn heart wants to do anyway, mm. and look, look for justification on the basis of something I think I saw in the text, but I didn't arrive at it with proper interpretation. Yeah, which speaks to a few things that we've discussed in the past, you know, rushing too quickly to the application yep. probably is part of that. Yep. The reality that narrative has to be taken in these large sections. You can't just zoom in on one yep. particular part and assume that God is advocating for that action, um, but take them in large cases. So so that, that's helpful, I think, though, you know, try to avoid some of those kind of pitfalls when we're coming, especially to narrative, where it can yep. get a little tricky yep. if, we, if we don't look at a larger section together. Um, but then thirdly, Tom, you know, so, so what are some practical steps that we can put in place, obviously working through the coma process, you know, you've already yeah. highlighted, but what are some practical things that we can do to improve at reaching good due applications in our reading of Scripture? Well, I, I think the first temptation, especially with narratives, is we read devotionally first and foremost. I, I, I need a word from the Lord today. Yeah. So we read there, and uh, that, that accelerates us too quickly, I think, to application. So the first one is to remember again, to let the Scripture speak. I think to read it and let yourself live in the story, slow down long enough to, mm-hmm. to really kind of get the big picture, to kind of kind of absorb the tension and all. Again, just the whole context things comes in mind again. It's like there are time lapses along the way, so don't try to compress it so quickly, but just really live live the story as it were, and then. Uh, like you said, uh, rise up above it and look at how, how does it fit into the bigger picture of what God's doing. Mm. So uh, it, it's, this is one of 66 books uh, in the Bible. How, how does it fit into the big picture of all that God is revealing as history unfolds itself? And having, having done that, then begin to ask the question. So he put it there for my encouragement mm. that I might endure in hope. So where do I find that? So landing there is great. Starting there too soon is not. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's really helpful. Uh, and so, so listeners, we would encourage you. You know, think through that. It it really is is important to remember that the Bible isn't written as a self help book. Mm. It's not written primarily about us. It is written primarily about God, about the the Messiah He would send, about what He's doing in the world and in the people He's chosen. Um, and remembering that as we read through yeah. the Bible and not rushing too quickly to make it about us is really important to remember. Yeah. Any other practical steps on that subject, Tom? Well, I, I, I think I would just come back to the, the whole thing again, and that is don't finish your Bible contemplation until you've asked the so what question. Mm. 
Uh, so go into it knowing that, that it is the, the living breath of God, and he does want to speak to you personally yeah. and practically. So give him an opportunity to answer, Lord, what do you want to change in my understanding? What do you want to change in my attitude? Or what action do you want me to take in response, in obedience to what mm. you've said? So always having that willingness to obey, I think, or as mm. a, one of my dear friends, he loves the song, Trust and Obey, but that's really the model. You know? yeah. Believe yeah. the word, obey the word. And uh, if, if you do that, uh, your life will be transformed by your work. Yeah, that's really the you know the theme from Josiah's life that just kept hitting me again and again. It was he he read the word, he repented of sin, and then he just obeyed. You know, and just yeah. that's the Christian life, that constant process and of being ready steps. to be changed. You yeah, know, it's like we're I think we're looking for the game changer in everyone, mm. but that's why I keep going back. It may it may simply be an attitude that God wants to correct. Yeah. But on the other hand, it might be a bold action he wants you to take. It's kind of, you know, reading it forward, that's kind of the Nehemiah story, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. It calls for bold step of commitment. God may be asking you that, but it usually starts with a change in attitude. Mm. Very good. Well, if I can attempt to summarize this some for listeners, some of what we've talked about here, remember that that not every passage necessarily has a do or action step. Sometimes we kind of force it when we think that way. Think to the other kinds of desire applications or what we need to know, how we need to think. Um, but if, if you're in a passage that will result in a do application, remember to slow down. Remember to make sure you walk through the coma process. Consider context. Make your observations. Don't run too quickly to that application mm-hmm. step. Make sure that you you have the meaning of the text refined, and it, that it's something that would apply in multiple cultures yes. and not just to our specific situation, and then talk about the do action step. How does, how does your life specifically need to change as a result of what God has shown you about himself, as a result of what he has commanded you to do in that meaning step? And then take baby steps. Remember that you don't have to you don't have to be a hundred percent transformed into the perfect Christian in one giant <laughs> step in your spiritual walk. Take small steps, find other people to hold you accountable to them, and just take one step at a time. And when you fail, like we all do, uh, remember to come back to the mm-hmm. to the grace of God and to keep going after it. You know, as the scripture says it a man falls <laughs> falls how does, uh, remind me, I'm trying to remember that passage. A righteous man here. though he falls seven That's times, it. he rises. That's again. the one. That's yeah. the one. I I only remember that because I've done the fall. (laughs) There you go. We all have. So remember that, you know, this biblical reading and application is one step at a time. Don't get discouraged. Uh, Keep walking forward um, and keep working at it. Uh, Tom, any final thoughts on this subject before we wrap up? Well, I I think the thing I would want to encourage people is is that don't don't become discouraged again in reading the word. I think the adversary would tempt us to think that it's too deep or it's too complicated or this work of interpretation is that's for the professionals hmm. but it but it is a book that was written for believers on every level so so read it expectantly and when when God speaks to your heart just do what he says yeah very good very good. Well, you've already started tipping your hat to where you're going in this next week. Um, you're, you're coming up this Sunday on the person and work of Nehemiah. Um, so in, as by way of preparation for our listeners, what, what are you looking forward to uh, preaching on from the life of Nehemiah? Well, it, it kind of finishes up the trilogy. Uh, it, mm. it kind of, we took it out of its, uh, out of its canonical order. Uh, right for a reason, but you know Ezra uh, begins the thing, and then Esther slots in the middle, and then finally Nehemiah. So with Ezra, we talk about the restoration of worship, 
And with Esther, we talk about the preservation of the people and the nation. But Nehemiah is is really the reconstruction, going mm-hmm. back and uh, the the scars and, and and the damage done by their rebellion and restoring what was destroyed. Um, so that, that's the that's the plan, and and struggling with quite honestly uh, of. I was telling Jared of not falling into the trap of just making it a management manual. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, trying to read it again, rightfully interpreting it before we move to the application. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt it'll be fun to finally see some of those those uh, circles finally closed. You know, you think yeah. back to Jeremiah and the promise of the seventy years. Well, yeah. now they're coming back. We've reached that point in the yeah. story. What's going to happen with Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the temple, or not the rebuilding of the temple, but the walls? Excuse yeah. me. Uh, secondarily, any interpretive questions you're wrestling with from this story? Well, like, like I said, I, really asking the question is what, what is its practical translation into life? What it, He wrote it for a reason, and uh, a lot of texts, I think, have abused it yeah. to that. So just really trying to find but what exactly is it that God wants to say to the faith family yeah. from this text? Yeah, we are not initiating another building project. <laughs> just, just so you guys are squared away, that's not why we're studying Nehemiah, as it has been done yeah. at times in the past. Uh, finally, how can we prepare our hearts for this message, Tom? I think it, you know, it's it's the story of closing up the walls. Uh, that's part of the protection. And uh, so in a practical way, I think it's just be alert to the fact that there, there perhaps in my own spiritual life, there are some breaches. And they'll think, what, what are the areas mm. where I'm vulnerable to the assault mm. of the adversary? And how would God speak to that to close those up uh, in an act of obedience mm. uh, as a result of what he says in Nehemiah? Yeah, great reminder that God has promised to protect his yeah. people, yeah. Um, to hold them. That's that's good. We'll look we'll look forward to that on Sunday. And and that is it for this week, listeners. So thanks for joining us for another episode on the podcast. If you're if you're looking for more information, we will be linking that article, Eight Questions to Help You Understand and Apply the Bible. Again, we've linked it in the past, but that really lays out the different types of application and I think would be a good read for you if you get the time. Um, I do want to make a quick note um, about those using the website. On the podcast, we're including the links to these articles that we're referencing in in the, in the notes. On the website, they have to appear a little bit differently. So just note that if you're looking for one of those and you're on the podcast page, you have to click on the individual podcast episode, and then you'll find the links with those embedded uh, links to the website so you can find anything that we've referenced on the podcast. Remember, if you're joining us or if you're walking along with us over the weekly reading plan for this week in Nehemiah, we've got Nehemiah 1 through 3. So take the time to read that. And if any questions spring up, feel free to shoot those our direction so we can address them on the podcast. Lastly, just know that we are continuing to pray for you, that you become a better reader, hearer, and doer of the word in your own personal life. And we hope you join us for another week next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, Be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.